Welcome to the Block Exploring Podcast, your first step into the world of crypto and blockchain. The Block Exploring Podcast is your one-stop place to find quick, clear, and unbiased information on everything in the crypto space. Our goal is to help you grow familiar with the crypto space by growing along with us as we go on our crypto journeys. Follow at Block Exploring on Twitter for our newest uploads and our publishing schedule. We, here at Block Exploring, are crypto enthusiasts working hard towards becoming experts. Today's podcast is presented by co-hosts Tommy and Elias. Find us on Twitter under at Squared and at Otoko Crypto. Right now you can find us on Spotify and YouTube. Before we start the episode, we would like to inform you that we are not financial advisors. Therefore, nothing said in this podcast should be considered financial advice. Always contact your financial advisor before making any investment. With that said, sit back and enjoy today's podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 26 of the Block Exploring podcast. Here with me is uh, Tommy. As usual, we're going to be talking to you about everything that is happening in the blockchain space and uh, what is to come. And there's a lot to come this week and uh, also a lot happened this week. Mm-hmm. in terms of uh, overall kind of news. I think we've seen a very bullish week for crypto in general. Yeah, a lot of nice price action for yeah. for many, for, for Bitcoin ETH at least, and like all, a lot of other altcoins. No, absolutely. I, I think, yeah, especially for uh, what I've noticed is for Bitcoin, it's been going pretty crazy. A lot of people have been uh, very skeptical, right? About like very, very bearish for a while. And I think this is now like that proof of the pudding. Yeah, I still see people that are bearish, but I also uh, read a very nice article by uh, like on Coin Telegraph saying that it was like the ultimate bear trap, fifty k uh, oh, yeah? Bitcoin price. Yeah, because oh, that man. was the resistance where all the bears were kind of waiting for. Sure, sure. So, so a beautiful tweet like. Right now is the best time to sell Bitcoin if you want to buy back at a higher price. <laughs> no, yeah, man. Like what I've been seeing is like a lot of the the wild end of year Bitcoin price predictions have been whipped out. You know, mm-hmm. so maybe the bears are the bears are doing their thing, but the bulls, yeah, they're also in full swing. You know, with their long term price predictions, hundred k Bitcoin by the end of the year price predictions. You know, yeah. I mean, we'll see. That'll be kind of lit, but. Um, I am not making predictions. No, that's no. true. That the, that does. I feel like making price predictions and stuff. Like, I I don't know who it helps per se, right? Like, I see it a lot on Twitter. Like, these are my top ten picks for quarter yeah. four, and you see like, I don't know, like ADA six euro, which yeah. destroys the market cap basically. But <laughs> it should. I mean, price predictions should just be something that you have for yourself, right? Because you gotta know your positions and like what you're comfortable with and like yeah your price predictions really should be relative to you yeah. you know and like what you're comfortable with and well not necessarily but you know what i'm talking about right like yeah, yeah. i feel like to answer your question the price prediction is that you're making probably just helps you <laughs> like doesn't yeah. help anyone else necessarily cuz like what are they are they really just going to trust you know what you believe the price action's going to be yeah no, that's true. You remember we had like this moment where everyone was like almost calling for another DeFi summer. Mm-hmm. 
and there were all these wild price predictions and then like i don't know infrastructure bill dropped mm-hmm. yeah and dude. that entire summer was gone right that was <laughs> when was that like may i think may is when we saw that bull it was like the bearish yeah. of the bear market in the bull in the bull market that was that was yeah. a rough time yeah, everything went quiet for a hot three weeks but yeah. we were still we were still out here though i want to say yeah, yeah those weeks we were still out here making but that was that was tough but i you know i feel like it picked up so quickly after that i feel like you know if something like that happened a few years ago mm-hmm. that's a straight up bear market like you know yeah. there, that's a straight up bear market situation but you know we've picked back up so quickly and now you know we're in We've been having well, DeFi isn't like you know where people a lot of people would thought it would be, mm-hmm. but um, you know, ETH, Bitcoin, NFTs, you know, have been having a hot summer, they're having a you know, even hotter October, yeah. You know, so bull market is strong, I feel like bull market is strong right now. That's definitely true, yeah. I, I think the 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 project that's been or like the token that I've seen, uh somewhat under discussed compared to bitcoin is definitely eth even though eth has been booming for the past while i think that there is so much bullish activity going on around eth right now that you just can't deny it i think um the the main article that i've seen do the rounds the main kind of like news discussion that i've seen on twitter as well has been like this fractal repeat of eth Mm -hmm. now i'm not the biggest believer in like i don't know the moment i hear fibonacci and like uh, i don't know like i what, what is it called like uh mcat rsi relative le- relative strength index and like i don't know things like uh, uh the, in other words like bullish hammer occurrence like these kinds of like i don't know patterns that people see in the tea leaves of the charts right mm-hmm. uh they don't do much for me but i think the fact that the news is out here and the fact that someone like a an analyst feels like there is enough sent bullish sentiment in the market to post an article like this and that it gets so many views and so many shares kind of shows that that that, that ETH is kind of setting up for a, a breakout point, right? Potentially, you know, flip Bitcoin. That would be fantastic. It would be fantastic. I, mean, I think a lot of people would like to see that. But, um, you know, what's crazy is that, like, ETH has that potential. ETH has that network effect. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's, like, been recent mini updates to EIP 1559. Or is it 1159? Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. getting us closer to proof of stake. And, you know, in general, that's super bullish because that effectively, you know, pushes us forward closer to you know what ethereum's mission is and i yeah. think as a whole this like this uh, direction ethereum is going in makes it's just bullish because you know it just makes it more decentralized more um more decentralized more distributed it takes mm-hmm. us you know it's right now a lot of eth miners are just big groups or big like whales who like you know have the money and capacity to mine a lot of eth you know, with a, it's not, it's not as distributed as a, it is like incredibly decentralized, incredibly distributed, right? But yeah. it's like, how, how, how much can an individual person actually get in on this validation, yeah. validating the network, right? And I think proof of stake allows more people to get involved in validating the network, which means, you know, more, uh, more security, 
And you might yeah. be saying like, okay, you, but you need 32 ETH to run your own validator node, right? And 32 ETH is a lot of, a lot of money. But mm-hmm. with, there's so many services now where you can, you know, give in your ETH to a pool and like, you know, yeah. earn a proportionate cut of um, what's a, what's a, I, I know Lido is like one of these yeah. services where you can give um, and Rocket Pool, you can give some, put some ETH in a smart contract and they, you know, that you, they, de- so you're basically delegating your ETH to them to run a validator node. And then you earn a proportional share of the transaction fees that they earn from, you know, validating the, the blockchain. So yeah. if you see it like that, it really does democratize Ethereum network even more. So I feel like that's hella bullish. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also the, the supply shock that most likely yeah. is incoming for ETH mm-hmm. because of all these ETH burns that we've been experiencing. Dude, just Coinbase alone burns a lot, a lot of yeah. ETH. I wanted to give a number, but it's just a lot of ETH. And it's not just yeah. Coinbase. You know, we have loads of decentralized, Coinbase isn't decentralized, but there are loads of decentralized applications um, that are burning a lot of ETH because they mm-hmm. actually move that much volume. Um, yeah. OpenSea is also not a decentralized application, but they, for NFTs, they move a lot of volume, a lot of money, and they burn a lot of ETH as a result. So, you know, disclaimer, you know, like we're talking a lot about ETH and a lot of bullishness. Like we both are probably, in, like, I, I know I'm invested in ETH, but like it's hype. Like there's a lot happening yeah. for ETH. It's very exciting. And I think as a whole, it's really it's really good for the whole um, crypto blockchain space in general because if one of the big dogs like ETH is like you know progressing and growing as like you know you know and really bringing people into the space, I think that that only like helps other things that are going on like side like other chains you know like will probably get a lot of attention because people are coming into the space and researching like what mm-hmm. else is out there, for example, or they might like oh, think about like, oh, look at like, what issues does ETH have? And then they look for other things, right? Yeah. Stuff like that, you know, but. Uh, That's true. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, I also have some ETH, not much, because I use it mainly for paying for transaction fees on on the theorem. That's my main use of ETH right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, definitely. And I also see that the if you, if you look at the kind of like how many miners are holding ETH right now, right? Mm-hmm. It's it it hasn't been this much, uh, well since two thousand sixteen basically, miners haven't held this much ETH. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy because it really shows the amount of miners that are holding ETH is like a really good indicator of how far do the people that are actively kind of investing in ETH right, investing yeah. as in investing money into keeping this thing running. <laughs> Sure. seeing the price action go up yeah i think that's a very good indicator maybe for me better it's a bit more on a fundamental level which yeah. i prefer than uh rsi curves and that kind of stuff sure i i find that take interesting because you're you're saying that people are like the miners who are investing yeah electricity costs to to proof of work mine this ethereum them holding yeah. that is a better indication than of all these, you know, this um, TA, you yeah. know, but so your take is that they find it more worth it to hold ETH, you know, despite the cost that they're incurring. But yeah. I was thinking that this, them holding this ETH might be an indication that like miners want to hold ETH because later 
they're gonna be they're gonna have to need they're gonna need ETH to validate the network. They're gonna need yeah. ETH to stake the net. Like maybe it's it's probably both to be honest. Yeah, I think so. I um, think they're gonna need thirty two ETH, and most of them probably want to run multiple, you know, nodes if they if they can, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I also think like, you know, right now if you mine ETH, most likely mm-hmm. your monthly electricity bill will be higher than the amount of ETH that you mine. In effect. You think so? Right? Well, yeah, I don't know what the math at, is, but uh, I think yeah. at this point it kind yeah. of exceeds the amount mm-hmm. for facing the current price point, right? Okay. And if you're constantly making these costs, it's it's different putting money into ETH and seeing the price rise and being like, okay, I'm bullish on ETH, yeah. Uh, for versus actively kind of between air quotes making a loss on ETH every month, yeah. And saying, yeah, you know, the price action validates this. Yeah, I, I reckon. I reckon it. It also depends on like how efficiently your rig actually mines this ETH. Absolutely. It, yeah. So, no, I get what you're saying as well. But yeah, I mean, the point is, miners are holding ETH, and it's a thing. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that, but that just the total mm-hmm. kind of this entire news package that we're seeing around ETH is like a a, a perfect storm for it exactly. to go all the way. Yeah. Up to the moon, you know. <laughs> to the moon. Or maybe it might hit this 10k price point meme that, you know, everyone talks about. You know, 10k yeah. ETH is this meme that's always, you know, being circulated, but it could be a thing, you know. Loads yeah. of people think it's a 10k asset. Yeah. No, it's true. I think it's a 10k asset. But I yes. I mean, me too, but you know, people who are listening, do your own research. We don't give financial advice. No, that's true. We just give a uh, financial insight. Ah, that's that's a, I like that, dude. That's yeah, that makes sense. No, exactly. But moving on from uh, ETH, Tommy, you found modular blockchains so, this week. Yes, module. I I find this a very interesting thought that's been uh, percolating in the crypto blockchain space. You know, so like at the moment we have you know fairly monolithic blockchains like you know Bitcoin blockchain, Ethereum blockchain. They all operate in their own kind of monolith right but they all you know each of these blockchains however the design they all come with a certain set of challenges you know Mm -hmm. for whatever reason for many reasons right because not uh, like the design of a blockchain can't be tailored to solve every problem right there's always going to be some challenge with these blockchains but how do you then how do you then improve or build you know a more interconnected world in the crypto blockchain through crypto blockchain or how do you improve on these like you know you know the challenges faced by these uh, monolithic blockchains and i think what's an interesting thought that's been put forward is what's called modular blockchains right Mm -hmm. so you know for example if we take ethereum and we think of ethereum as the security layer which is why you know ethereum is so popular right because ethereum is believed to be the most decentralized and most secure blockchain network you know out there at the moment yeah which is why so many decentralized applications are building on it and all these kinds of things right and um but obviously the the challenges that uh, ethereum faces it includes you know the amount of transactions that can be included in in each block you know the gas fees like you know because it's such a congested network you know can get absorbent like really really high and you know how do you solve these issues is by you know creating modular solutions that you know connect to the security layer for of this you know of um, of ethereum network so for example like 
if there's this gas issue fee, right? You know, what, what, what kind of solutions are we seeing now? We see the percolation of uh, layer two solutions like Arbitrum. We see layer two solutions like Polygon, which are, are mm -hmm. different chains, right? But they're basically appended to the Ethereum blockchain for the security that they receive, right? Yeah. And, um, and they, that's, that's probably, you know, what we're going to see going forward and like in terms of what chains are bec become most successful. Yeah. Like, you know, what chains can like more easily have solutions be appended to it to help mm -hmm. them grow, like help the base layer grow and then help whatever is built on top of it grow, right? Yeah. It's probably these modular solutions. And this isn't just the Ethereum thing. Like, I think moving forward, we'll just see more blockchains Mm -hmm. have the ability for other solutions or other chains to be connected to it that solve inherent challenges that they have yeah. right so there's this tweet which was saying you know like these monolithic blockchains might grow only you know 10,000 times mm -hmm. you know in uh, in the next 20 years but like but those that you know have mo like you know adapt this modular blockchain mindset or approach will probably go like a million times in the same in the same amount of time, right? So um, I think it's an interesting thought because like I think both of us are kind of on the same page yeah, yeah. In, ter in terms of like, you know, thinking that we need a more interoperable blockchain space, right? Because we can't, because the, the internet's not a monolith, you know, for example. Mm -hmm. And blockchain networks are very much like, you know, the internet with built-in money, yeah. right? So... I think that's what we're going to move and progress to see because no one wants to just like have Yahoo mail and only be able to send emails to other people with Yahoo mail. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of what we're talking about, right? We want to be able to send mails to uh, Hotmail, to Gmail, you know, and that's, yeah. you know, that's that that connection is what we need, right? And that's what's going to progress crypto blockchain in the future. No, absolutely. And what you're saying here about like this interoperability and modular blockchains, it really reminds me of kind of the message that, uh, well, one of my favorite pro uh, projects out there, Cosmos, mm -hmm. Atom, is right. kind of putting out there, right? Like if you go to their website or not, not their website, actually, I think it's, uh, yeah, the website blockchain network, really nice website when it comes yeah. to kind of explaining cryptocurrencies and kind of their long-term vision, all that stuff. Shout out. Uh, Cosmos, right? They they really explain like, hey, uh, they have this kind of philosophy of what is blockchain 1.0, what is blockchain 2.0, and what is blockchain 3.0. And blockchain 3.0, well, it starts like this, right? Uh, blockchain 1.0 is basically Bitcoin. If you have an issue with Bitcoin or the way it's being validated, uh, you either fork or you build on top of it, right? Then Ethereum becomes popular 2014. Yep. You get the Ethereum virtual machine. Uh, you get applications, you get dApps. That's blockchain 2.0. You can build on it. You can kind of, you have some autonomy, but it still has its limitations like scalability uh, and usability because of all these uh, costs that you make and a very low flexibility for developers. And I mean, you have the Ethereum uh, virtual machine that's kind of a sandbox, but yeah, mm. th there are still some stuff that, that can improve from it and then you have sovereignty because all uh kind of layer two tokens are kind of second class citizens on the ethereum right. network and if you look at the vision of cosmos and the way cosmos kind of um 
yeah, it goes about this discussion is saying we need an internet of blockchains to prevent this kind of second-class citizenship. I don't know for... if I agree with this characterization, but it's probably yeah, but for it, another it's, episode. It's how, how I remember them uh, yeah, yeah. explaining it. You know, it, 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 it's... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, what, what they kind of say is we need an internet of blockchains to prevent kind of second-class citizenship on, on the Ethereum mainnet, and we need to... Uh, you know, move past proof of work systems because, well, they're inefficient. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that that's, that kind of fits in with this idea of the modular blockchain, right? Yeah. No, I th- no, definitely. No, definitely connect to it. And I, th- yeah, I think more projects are just going to adopt this approach, right? Because, I mean, what we see in traditional, like, for example, if we look at phones, right? Like, everyone wants to create their OS and everything needs to be like, tailored to their os and everything it's like this ecosystems that you know these um these companies are creating to just trap people in their own ecosystem yeah like you know the principles that draw people to blockchain or that are inherent in blockchain technology just don't just don't vibe with that that kind of approach and Mm -hmm. something like modular blockchain and you know the kind of ethos that is emitted by uh you know the idea of modular blockchain is something more in line with the principles, you know, and ideas of most people building in the crypto blockchain space. So, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, that this issue kind of goes beyond just crypto, right? It, I think kind of to wrap up this episode, if you look at, there's this meme going on, right? Android users, they always, their camera quality always looks like Minecraft characters. <laughs> now, what, how does this relate to modular blockchains? Apps like Instagram, apps like, I don't know, WhatsApp, Telegram, uh, whatever you use, mm-hmm. they do not facilitate the cameras of, for instance, Samsung and every other type of Android phone out there. There's only one program, basically, and it's used to facilitate the cameras. But what happens through it is all kind of the camera qualities get compressed. They kind of use what your screen your viewfinder gets. And... Apple, they facilitate well because it's just one script that they have to write for it. And this makes it impossible for an app to be interoperable and to optimally function using an Android uh, camera because it can't interact with it. And what happens then is that the memes flow out of people using Android having bad camera quality. That's this lack of interoperability. And that's where we will eventually go. It's a fully interoperable ecosystem for both blockchain but also for i think on a larger scale for 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 the tech sector mm-hmm. so I, I think that's definitely this is a huge issue it's a very important issue it's it's more of a 20 2050 issue than maybe a 2021 issue but it is where the space is going exactly i mean it's yeah it all like it's just little steps i think that yeah. like we start here now but that's ultimately like where we're gonna be right absolutely that's a good yeah. example Exactly. Well, with that said, I think that was the end of uh, this week's episode of the Block Exploring Podcast. Mm-hmm. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for the nice comments on our last episode. Really appreciate it. Shout out to you guys. And let us know what you want to hear next week on Twitter at Block Exploring. And uh, we will see you in the next episode. Peace. Take it easy. <laughs>